Welcome to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we have a very exciting opera that I have never heard of before, ever in my life. It's by a composer I'm guessing that you have heard of. Janáček? Janáček. Le- Leos Janáček. Did I say it correctly? <laughs> I don't speak Czech, so you, it sounded great to me. Okay, so we on today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we are listening to an opera called Katya Kabanova by Leos Janáček. Yes, and I'll just let people know uh, Janáček also has done probably his most commonly performed opera is The Cunning Little Vixen. I've never heard of that one either. Oh, I've I've definitely seen that. I haven't seen the opera, but I've seen it on lineups for um, opera companies. Also, Yanufa. Also, The Macropolis Case. But let's hold off our discussion of Janáček until we hear a little bit more of this very first piece from Katya Kabanova.
Zrak, skutku trzeba żyć, że zazrak. Blaszo, widzisz, braku dwacet niedelem, Uśmiechnie się dziwam za wolno, nie mogę się wynadziwać. Neobyčejný pohled, ta krása, duše se raduje, rozkoš, a ty jen, to je toho, měla bys jen přihlédnout, jaká krása tají se v přírodě. No arci, jaká s tebou říč, si učitel, Podívej se, kdo to tam tak rozkládá rukama. Podívej, ani jsi se synovcem. Tu si našel místo. Ani se je všude, upadl mu dvou, Boris Grigorievič. Tak si na něm pojezdí. Jako by se odřetě zopudl. You're listening to Opera for Everyone, and on today's episode, we are listening to Katya Kabanova. And we've just heard some introductory orchestral music followed Wasn't by... Wasn't that gorgeous music? The lush so orchestral mm. stylings of Leos Janacek. Yes. Um, followed by the introduction of some of our characters. Yeah, we meet not the main characters, first off. There's a bit of scene setting that goes on here. And I'm going to confess, I have not seen this opera before. I've not seen it live. When I searched for some version of it on a streaming service or YouTube, I was able to find it, but not with an English translation. So one of my challenges with this particular podcast was to get ready to link up the different songs with the action. Having read the libretto, the story is compelling and gorgeous, but when I pieced it together with what I was watching on stage and listening to, I, all I can say is Janacek has gained a new fan. I'm going to seek out his operas going forward. Is they, that it, it is right? beautiful. It is not like other early 20th century composers. I mean, I should, we should mention when this was first produced. Yeah, okay. So set the scene. This premiered in 1921 at the National Theater in Brno, which was Czechoslovakia at the time. Czechoslovakia was a relatively new formation, we could just add, because it, it was created following World War I. Oh, I did, see, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. There's a little history tidbit for you. It was broken up in the 1990s, and we have now the Czech Republic, and we have Slovakia. But at the time that it premiered in 1921, it was Czechoslovakia, and the libretto was written by Janáček himself, from a Russian play by Alexander Ostrovsky called The Storm or The Thunderstorm, which was published in the middle of the 19th century. So this is a pretty unusual occurrence, isn't it, to have the composer also write the libretto? Well, I was immediately thinking of way back when we did Eugene Onegin, and Tchaikovsky did a similar thing. He adapted the libretto himself from the Pushkin poetry. It's not that unusual. And then, of course, the one that probably is in frequent listeners' minds is Wagner did the same. He wrote his own librettos. I see. Okay. 
So it's it's not common, I would say, but it's it's not unprecedented. I see. Okay. He was working from a Czech translation, and I'm not even going to attempt that heroic man's name because it's too many too many consonants, not enough vowels. I have a hard time. <laughs> One thing to note about this opera, and I think it's fair to put this out here right in the front because we don't believe in spoilers in opera. The more you know, the more you're you're prepared and the more you're ready to enjoy it. As I was reading this story, I was instantly reminded of two of the great female figures in literature who've also, I think, been portrayed operatically. Anna Karenina, Russian also, mm-hmm. because the playwright was originally Russian, Ostrovsky. And it made me think of Madame Bovary as well. Ah, I was waiting to see who you were going to say. I was like, I, I have no idea. Well, these are both, these are all three stories of women in the provinces or outside of the major cities who are trying to cope with their lives, find themselves in marriages with husbands who are, what are even the words, unappealing, unsatisfying, abusive, just a bad marriage. Mm -hmm. But marriage is forever. You're stuck. Women don't have a lot of choices. In all of these cases, these women find a dashing young man and they have an affair. Mm. And it ends badly for the woman. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that is our spoiler for, or our non-spoiler, that is our conclusion mm. of Katya. So Katya is married to someone with whom she's not in love. She does find love and it ends badly. Yes, well, for her, he's fine. He just goes off and does whatever on with his life. Her miserable husband... Tihon. Tihon is a drunk, but we actually get a little view into why Tihon is the way he is because his mother, I think, is probably the least appealing mother in law depicted in opera. She is just awful. Well, and that's she saying is, something because there are some really unpleasant mother in laws in opera. She's terrible. She is domineering, she belittles her son. She throws temper tantrums when her son speaks to his wife. And he doesn't speak kindly to his wife, but she's jealous in a way. But she's just, she's domineering, not just with her son, not just with her daughter-in-law. She's just haughty and expects everyone to do what she wants. She's not not a pleasant person. Mm. I'm sure there must be some backstory why she's so awful, unhappy and takes it out on everyone. But I'm not aware of that backstory. But we do understand why Tihon just can't quite cope with life. He's got no chance. And then his poor wife, who I just, I found this description that Janacek wrote about Katya. And he wrote, she's a young woman of such a soft nature that if the sun shone fully on her, she would melt. Ah. So she's she's a bit delicate Mm. for this more rustic environment where she finds herself. Right doesn't have a lot of resources upon which to draw to defend herself. No, she does not. And so she's she, here she is in this small town. Speaking of small towns, I, I'm going to just take a little moment to step out and mention that Janacek himself lived in a small town for a very long time. He does not become a successful composer until the age of 61. In contrast to some of our Wow. Yeah, he's it's he's age 61. He has been writing music. He's a music teacher. He's been writing music. He's got a few small operas that he's put together. 
But it's it, when he's age 61 that Yanufa, that opera, is begrudgingly added to the operas that are going to be presented in Prague. Yanufa plays in Prague, and it is a sensation. It's unbelievable. And that is in 1916. Wow. He is a sensation. And then he just goes from one to the next, and he is, he's the most popular, like, to this day, he is the most commonly performed Czech composer of, so ins- for operas. So inspiring. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, we, we often talk about these young prodigies, these people who are composing these amazing things in their 20s, and that is a certain kind of talent and a certain kind of good fortune in, in getting your works presented to the public but it's really quite charming to see this man who was 61 become a sensation and then continue on through the years to produce opera after opera that are still they may not be madam butterfly yeah they may not be on that level in terms of frequency in our country but they are often picked up by opera companies all over europe certainly in north america and and other continents as well well, so Pat, tell me, is yes. there anything else we need to know to set the scene for our next aria? Well, we start off with two of the servants enjoying the day, really. We're, we're kind of out looking at the river, the Volga River. One fellow is a, a bit of a scientist, an amateur scientist, a, a teacher, somebody who's going to look into nature and appreciate it and try to understand it. And then you just see one of the servants and they're sort of talking and we ease our way into this opera. And then this lovely scene is interrupted by these two people. Well, these two men walk in and one of them's, I would say, yipping at the other. And that is young Boris comes in with his uncle. His uncle is Dikolj. And I, we can just go ahead and say, Boris is our love interest for Katya. He will become oh, that. Oh, okay. So he's dashing and he's a tenor, of course. Of course. <laughs> and Dikoj, his uncle, is just, you know, why don't you work? You should do more. And he he's just abusive to Boris. But Boris is just taking it. Is and he taking it or is he just kind of ambivalent about it? It like doesn't... Well, he notices it. But d- does he's, it bother him? I'm going to say yes. But okay. he, doesn't, he doesn't talk back in any way. I see. Way. Okay. So the uncle will leave, and we have the the other the man who started off on stage appreciating nature, uh, who is Kudriesh. Kudriesh will have a conversation with Boris, and Boris is going to explain how he finds himself in this situation with his uncle. Nedali to obchodní akademie, 
On today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we are listening to Katya Kabanova by Leos Janacek. And we've just heard from Boris, the dashing young nephew, and Kudrish, the teacher. Pat, would you like to tell us a little bit more about these two characters? Kudrish is going to be the man in our B couple, as we say. Um, he does get to have a little romance. Are they we'll... funny? Ah, uh, funny. No. They're cute. Okay. They're cute. Dang it. They're sweet. That's okay. I mean, the closest thing to comedy we get here, believe it or not, is when the uncle, when Boris's uncle tries to romance the battle axe mother-in-law. Oh. Katya. I'll look forward to that. Not well. It's not. I mean, like I said, it's a comparative thing. (laughs) Boris. Boris gives us his backstory in this section that we just heard. He explains, because it is curious as to why he just stands there and takes this abuse from his uncle. Uh-huh. And you can see the uncle's cut from the same cloth as Kabanicha, the mother-in-law. Right. Boris explains that his father was from this town, and he married above his station. He married a, a woman who was from a better social class, and they moved to the city. And he says, my mother used to say to me, there's no way she would ever live among these provincial bumpkins. And Kudriyash is like, okay, I'm following, but why are you here? He said, well, my parents sent us off to fabulous schools. They, they, we didn't have a lot of money, but they, they spent what money they could put together to take care of their children. My sister and I were sent to very good schools, and while we were away at school, both of them died of cholera. Oh, no. So they're left orphaned, and he's sent to go live with a grandmother, but before he arrives, the grandmother dies. And so the way it all transpires is that there's this uncle, the brother of his father, who lives in this town, and he has to go live with the uncle, and he will get an inheritance ultimately, and so will his sister, but he has to be obedient to the uncle in the meantime. Mm. And they've kind of worked out a deal where, although there was an expectation that the sister might have to come to live in this little town as well, it's okay, he'll do the family duty for them both, and the sister lives with the mother's family. So they oh. sort of accepted her in, but he... There is an inheritance because the uncle is a is a successful merchant, not as successful as Tihon's mother is. She's a widow and a very successful merchant. She's kind of at the top of the pecking order in this little town, but they both are merchant families. And so there will be an inheritance, but he, he has to mind his P's and Q's. Mm. <laughs> he has to he has to put up with this grumpy uncle's abuse and that's the way he sees forward. Not just for himself, but also for his sister. Right. Okay. So So that's his story. And we're ready to meet some more characters. All right. Well, who are we going to meet next? On to the scene, we meet the characters, two characters that we've mentioned but have not yet met. We meet Tijon Mm -hmm. and we meet his mother, Cabaniche. And kind of the way Boris and his uncle come onto the scene where they're... Sniping at each other? Well, not sniping at each other. Where Kind of like where Tijon is... Tihon, like Boris, is a, is receiving the abuse from his mother the way mm. Boris had received it from his uncle. And you just look at them and you think, oh, this is so sad. And Kudryash also says, 
she's all high and mighty and she she gives to charity but she's such an unkind person just give it up give it up but Boris in his conversation with Kudriyash has given a confession that he's fallen in love <gasps> he's seen a beautiful woman and he he just can't get her out of his mind and he says and the trouble is she's married mm. I think they're going to they're going to be coming along soon. Church is finished. They'll they'll be they'll be walking by, and she'll be with her husband. And then he kind of goes, "I must be crazy." And Kudriyash sensibly says, "Just forget about her. This is this is problematic. Just walk away." But he won't. But he won't. Because that doesn't make good opera. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, right. not, it's it's inevitable. In fact, there is a lot of talk about the inevitability here. Not necessarily from him, more from Katya herself, whom we haven't met yet. Well, but so now we are going Let's to meet... Let's meet Kabanicha and Tihon. Okay.
You're listening to Opera for Everyone, and on today's episode, we are listening to Katya Kabanova, an opera by Leos Janáček, and we are in the first act of our opera, and we have just met two of the main characters, Madame Kabanicha, who is a rich merchant's widow, and a not very nice one at that, and her long-suffering <laughs> son, Tihon, who's a bit of an angry drunk. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well put. And you get a sense at this point, I think we've heard enough of this of this lush music, even in the even in the little conversational bits. In fact, there was a an expression that's used to describe this sort of an opera, this sort of uh, transmitting of it, of the information of the libretto as speech melody or melodies of the language. And I think I've already stated I don't speak a word of Czech, but all of the people who will sing in Czech require a Czech language coach because it's such a different pattern of speech, such a different way of delivering words Hmm. that really work for these operas, but it might not be natural to someone who's accustomed to singing in French or Italian or German. Right. It's, It's very different. And so the sort of the melody of the of the language itself and Janáček's style of composing with all of these rich instruments. I mean, you you've heard already the lush strings, the harp, and you might have heard already some of those sleigh bells, which <gasps> are are they make you think of Tihon, and they particularly are pronounced when Tihon later on is going to depart. Ah. And so it's a little bit like that's... Is it part of his leitmotif, Pat? I don't think we're going to use that phrase today. It's not It's not as well-developed as a leitmotif, but perhaps just associated so, with I mean, yeah, yeah, it's associated with him, exactly. All right, so let me tell you a little bit more about Kabanicha and Tihon. Please do. The mother and the son. The angry drunk. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, when he's not an angry drunk with his mother, he's very submissive. She has, she knows how to manage him. She's, she's, she berates him all the time, which then you can kind of go, I guess this is why he's a drunk. That's his escape. That's mm-hmm. his way of coping with it. And then he takes out frustrations on his wife as well. She tells us towards the end that he beats her, but that's not particularly surprising to anyone he's not a warm person he's gonna get his anger out somewhere Mm -hmm. so Kabanich is giving him a hard time and the first thing she criticizes him for is showing affection towards his wife I mean what we do see here in spite of his bad behavior is Tihon actually does love his wife but that doesn't make his mother happy and it's not enough love to keep him from hurting his wife so she criticizes him for showing affection towards his wife, that that's inappropriate. And then she's like, okay, and now you've got to go do, do my work. You need to go to the market town. So Kabanicha is sending Tihon off to do his work. And Katya gets a little spine here. And she says, you, know, you need to stop talking that way. You need to stop insulting me in front of other people. It's humiliating. By the way, this is happening. They've, they've just come back from, they're on their way home from church. And other characters are witnessing this as well who are on stage. But the focus of our attention is on this little family grouping here. Oh. Kabanicha, Katya, Tihon. And there's another member of the family. She is the foster child of Kabanicha. And her name is Varvara. Ah. So Varvara will be there. We'll talk a little bit more about her in a moment. But Kabanicha 
laces into Tihon again, saying, You can't deny it. You put your wife before your own mother. Once, perhaps, you loved me before you were married, but now you have a wife. (laughs) So you you see where this relationship is. Scandalous. And she's, she's enraged when he merely says, But mother, I haven't changed towards you. I love you both, he says submissively, and she is even further enraged. So you would treat your wife as my equal? A wife should know her place. You're soft. You give in to her. How can she ever respect you? So she's just berating him on every angle. And there's this element of jealousy that her son has a wife, and she's not, she's not okay with that. So now our focus is going to shift, and we're going to actually move inside the Kabanov's house. We're going to move inside the house and we're going to be with just Katya and Varvara. So the two young women in the house. Oh. The the, the foster daughter and the... The young wife. The daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is our... There's kind of a lengthy piece, a lengthy scene in each of the three acts of this opera. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned this. This is a relatively short opera. All told, the music is an hour and a half. Yeah, that is short. It's usually presented with Act 1, Act 2, and then an intermission, and then Act 3. Although, at an hour and a half, I would think you could present it straight through, but that's how it's typically done. (laughs) But Pat, that's so silly, there would be no time for champagne. (laughs) That's so true. I do like my intermissions. <laughs> well, and you can chat about it and wonder about what's coming up too. That's it's fun. It's part of the experience. Absolutely, that's yeah, true. I like I like intermissions, whether it's plays or operas. So Katya is there with Varvara, and we're going to get Katya's backstory, a little bit of Katya's backstory, and we're going to understand a little bit about Varvara. We're not going to get Varvara's whole backstory. Katya is going to say. Tell me this, why can't we fly away and just spread our wings and fly away as birds do? This is this concept, these words will be repeated at various points through the opera. Hmm. She says, so often I imagine that I'm a bird and I can spread my wings and fly. She says, I used to be so free and happy, but since I came here to live, all of that has changed. Hmm. And she's going to tell us about her her life as a young girl, her experience in the church. We're going to understand her as a deeply religious woman, critical for understanding her character. And we'll get a little bit more insight into the friendship between Varvara and Katya. So let's let's listen to these two beautiful voices together.
This is Opera for Everyone, and today's episode we're listening to Katya Kabanyova by Leos Janacek. And we've just heard some lovely vocal stylings of Varvara and Katya, the foster daughter and daughter-in-law of Kabanicha, the rich merchant's widow. And Katya is the wife of Tihon. And the sound, Pat, is very different from what we're yes. accustomed to in sort of a, a Verdi or a, even a Mozart or something we're more familiar with. It's got a different sound. It, it absolutely does. But isn't it lush and rich? And I'm, I'm just so captivated by this sound. I was thinking about how to describe it. I remember I mentioned this is a short opera. It's only 90 or so minutes of music. But there's so much packed into it. And I decided my, my analogy here was going to be like a strong cup of espresso. Ah. Right? You can fill a whole mug, throw in the water, call it an Americano, and it's full of water and it's good. But if you distill it down and compress it into this smaller package, you still have all that flavor, mm-hmm. all of that intensity, but it doesn't take as long. It, it's, not, it's not as large. And I feel like that that's an apt way to think of this opera. It is there is so much emotional and music intensity in this in this opera. I I liken it to a strong espresso. It packs a punch. It really does. It pulls you along with all of this sound. So a little bit more about what Katya tells Vavara. She reflects on being in church and she says, I was always so happy there and I felt as if I were entering paradise. Hmm. I used to imagine I could see angels flying aloft to heaven amid the golden haze. So that Hmm. reminds you of that flying like a bird that you mentioned earlier. And she says, yes, slipping, falling, pushed by unseen hands to destruction. Wow. A little foreshadowing to the end of the opera. I can just put in parentheses there. Well, you said that she was a very devout you know, kind yes. of religious person, but it's interesting that she's seeing not sort of a lifting up, but rather a falling and a destruction in the church. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? She says, but I have to tell you something, Varvara, because Varvara is like, Varvara is very grounded. She's very practical. Yeah, she says, this, this is madness. And she says, madness? Oh, I don't know. Deep in my innermost heart, strange desires are stirring and my will is powerless against them. So for her, there is this sense of fate about everything that that does, in fact, happen to her. She says, but when I try to think, I I just get confused, bewildered. Whenever I try to mutter a prayer, my mind thinks of something very different. Guess who she's thinking of? Boris. The dashing young Boris, who quite fancies her as well. But, she says, "I, I keep trying to pull myself back, and whenever I go to pray... I feel as though I'm flying. I'm soaring. I think of those lofty cathedrals. She says, I can't sleep, Vavara. I cannot sleep. There, all the time, someone is near. Someone is whispering, speaking so lovingly to me. Words so soft and tender. Someone embracing me. That's not what she experiences with Tihon, her husband. Mm -mm. So she's imagining this and she's yearning for it. Like, just from the very depths of her soul she's yearning for this loving tender experience and Barbara's 
getting a little nervous. This is crazy talk, she's thinking, right? This is crazy talk. And Kachi says, no, I, I, I have to go with him. What do you know of this? You're still a child. So Vavara is a bit younger than she is. She says, it's a dreadful sin that threatens me. It opens up like a chasm before me. And Varvara is getting more and more concerned that Katya is about to do something very, very dangerous. But that said, Varvara is very sympathetic to this sweet woman who's the other young woman in the household. And even though she's nervous about it, she also knows that this is a woman who is mistreated, mm-hmm. who just has no, she's a sweet, kind woman who has no kindness given to her other than the friendship that Varvara offers. Right. And Varvara sort of, I'd say winks, but doesn't quite. But she says, who am I to judge? I have my own sins after all. And in a way, Varvara here will encourage her to give in to this longing for love, for compassion. But Katya says, so as soon as Katya hears it, she says, oh, but it's a terrible sin to love another man. Who can help me? What will become of me? And Barbara says, well, I don't know. One day you may see this man. It might happen. Enter Tichon. And Tichon... Tichon expresses some love towards his wife. With words. Oh, well, that's refreshing. He says, yes, I love you, but I live like a slave. I have to go do what my mother tells me. I... I, I hate to leave you, my dear, but I have to go. Jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> go the bells. Oh, right. <laughs> Right, it's it could because it it it's to evoke his departure. This this sound of the bells, or his movements, shall I say? And Kachi says, "But you say such cruel things to me. How can I love you?" So there's this little frisson between husband and wife. But then Kachi turns and says, "Don't leave me!" And she becomes desperate. She said, "If you leave me, who will protect me?" So as bad as she has it with her husband, she. F- she fears worse if he departs. Yeah, because then and there's he, no one between her and her mother-in-law. Right. And Boris. also no one between her and these impulses that she's feeling. Yeah. Exactly. So she she begs Tihon. She hugs on to him and says, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Or let me go with you. And he says, I, I can't. My mother has ordered me. I have to do what my mother says. And she becomes more and more desperate. Don't leave me. Don't abandon me. If you go, something dreadful is going to happen to me. I know, I know. Make me swear an oath. A horrible, horrible oath. And he's like, well, well, what do you want? Uh, Tell your wife she has to behave while you're away. He's like, well, I, I don't need to tell you that. She says, no, no, make me promise. Make me promise. Because again... An oath is a sacred promise, a promise to God oh, as well as to I her see. husband. Okay. So she's like, bind me with this oath. And Kabanicha gets in on the act. She comes in and says, well, while you're making her swear oaths, tell her she has to respect me and do what I say. Mm. And so she, she's, she gives this oath. And Kabanicha says, yeah, that'll work. But she's a shameless girl. She's a shameless girl. Tihon adds to her, be sure to help Mama while I'm away. I mean, so you think he he goes between being kind of this menacing, drunk husband to this sort of submissive little boy mm-hmm. who's hopeful about the world. Be sure to help Mama while I'm away. And he takes his leave. And then that is the end of Act One. Oh, no. oh, no. 
listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for a mainstream audience. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station. Opera for Everyone is hosted by me, Keely Heron, and me, Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode.
Welcome back to the second half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we are listening to the opera Katya Kabanova by the composer Leos Janáček. It's a beautiful opera. Do you agree? It's different, but it's uh, gorgeous. Well, as as you said during the first half, it's like a it's like an espresso versus an americano. It's sh- it's shorter, but it packs a punch. It really it's so rich, luscious. So this particular recording was made in December of 1976 at the Vienna Opera with the Vienna Philharmonic, uh, conducted conducted by Sir Charles Macaris. And in the title role of Katia, we have Elizabeth Soderstrom. Boris is played by Peter Dvorsky. Kabanicha is played by Nadia Niplova. Tihon is played by Vladimir Krejcik. Vavra is played by Louise Marova. And Jikoj is Dalibor Jedlika. And Kudryash is played by Zednik Zvela. And my deep apologies for mangling any of these names. <laughs> As we've said, we don't speak Czech. So that's that. All right. Well, you know what time it is. It is it's Opera Helmet Quiz. Tell us what we've what we've experienced so far. What in we've this learned story. so far. Well, I think I mean I think I've got a pretty good handle on it. I don't want to jinx myself, but our story begins in the 1860s in a small town on the Volga River, and our title character Katya is a young, delicate, lovely young woman who is rather religious and devout. She is married to Tihon, who is a rather dysfunctional <laughs> young man who is a bit abusive and he deals with his dysfunctional relationship with his mother Kabanicha by perhaps drinking a bit too much and being mean and abusive to his wife Katya. Kabanicha is a rich merchant. She's a widow and she also has um, adopted a foster child or taken in a foster child named Varvara who is a friend and sort of contemporary of Katya. Also in the roster of characters is Jikoj who is the uncle to Boris, who is the young love interest of Katya, and that feeling is reciprocated. And Dikoj is... Um, Just a feeling at this point, no actions yet. Yes, nothing has happened in the first half, but there is a, a twinkle in everyone's eye, or rather a twinkle in Boris's and Katya's eye for one another. And also accompanying Boris is Kudryash, who is a teacher of sorts. So I think that's the cast of characters. And so far we've learned that Tihon needs to run to town to fetch some things for his mother. A different town. Yes, to a different town, to another another place where trade is done in the region. So he's leaving and Katya is not very happy about that because she feels like she'll be subjected to the unwanted attentions of her mother-in-law. Mm. And, and also she has confessed to... Varvara that she's a bit concerned about her own uh, wandering attention that is directed towards Boris and maybe not in a very pure and chaste way. All true. So let's start act two. Okay. So everything, I I didn't leave anything out. We're good. We're good. Act two opens and we've got Varvara and Katya together and 
Kabanicha just wants to remind us who she is, basically. And she she comes in and she gives Katya a hard time. And she said, well, if you were a good wife, you'd do what all good wives do, is you would stay in your room and you would sob your heart out. That's what a good wife should be doing at this such a time, if you loved your husband, if you cared, if you knew how to behave properly. Hmm. So, She's a peach. Oh, she's just a mess. She says, yes, if you really loved your husband, you'd learn to weep for him. And if you can't weep, at least you could pretend a little bit. And then she she goes off in a big huff, bombastic sort of way. See that I am not disturbed, she says. Katya kind of just lets that roll off because she's always saying awful things to Katya. And she's left with Vavra. And Katya and Varvara are speaking to each other, and Katya's Katya hasn't done anything yet, but she's already certain that she's going to. In spite of this oath that she told her husband she needed to take, Katya says, sin and shame, how can I escape from it? Throw it away in the river? Then I would never see it again. It burns my hand like a fire. So she's got this sense that something is going to happen. And Varvara, ever the grounded one, says, Oh, it's awfully warm inside. I'm, I'm going to have the uh, servant, Glasha, make up our beds in the garden. And uh, you know how there's this, this gate to the garden? Take a look at this. I have a key. You might find this useful later on, my dear sister friend. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Katja at first says, No, no, I, I couldn't possibly. But... In some confusion as she hears some noises she ends up pocketing the key and she's filled with remorse guilt worry but she sort of feels powerless to fight against it she knows now that fate has determined she's going to move forward with this attraction she feels and then she's trying to tell herself well hang on a minute is it really a sin to just look at him from a distance we could just talk a little bit surely there's no harm in that and at the same time, she will double back and say, I'm lying to myself. What am, I, what am I saying? What am I saying? So these two girls have got a plan. And what we don't know yet, by the way, is that Vavara has her own plan to meet a young man. Oh! And that young man is Kudriesh, the fellow we saw in the beginning, the, 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 the teacher, scientist, engineer, who, by the way, does work for Boris's uncle. They've left, and onto the scene we have a little. This is this is what passes for comedy in this very serious piece. We have a little scene between Kabanicha and Jikoj, the uncle of Boris, the two successful merchants, headstrong. Kabanicha having the upper hand in terms of being probably status, status a little bit nastier at the same time, and Jikoj comes in and says, "Well, <laughs> I'm a little drunk." And she says, well, okay, go to bed then. Don't don't give me your attentions. Like, just go to bed. And she takes the opportunity when she's with Dikoj, because he actually kind of understands her. He's a merchant too, to tell him about an interaction that she had with a man that she owed money to. And she was furious because he came and he asked me for money. Can you believe that? Money that I owed him. She says, I, I sinned. I swore at him. That was my sin. I nearly killed him. And you know me. I have such a soft heart. Can you believe I acted that way? <laughs> is what she tells him. And she says, well, I begged his forgiveness after that behavior. And I, and I even went down on my knees. Can you imagine that? Me in the mud on my knees. 
And Decroge is, is trying to get a little closer. I was like, but I don't want to go home. Remember, she said he should go home and go to bed. Oh. Well, that's our... So he, he's like, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not really all that appealing. <laughs> <laughs> but neither like, is she, for that matter, so... <laughs> he's like, I don't want to go home. I want to just be here with you. Yeah, yeah. And she kind of pushes him away. Calm yourself. <laughs> you better learn better manners. And don't don't talk to me so harshly. Only you understand me. Only you know how to handle me. So finally, Kabanicha, she's done with him. She says, you have no one to cross you. That's why you're a bully. <laughs> hey, pot, it's the kettle. You're black. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, so those two were kind of made for each other, but I, I don't really see it happening. Well, they're going to fight over the microphone the entire time. So yeah, they're, they're just a mess. Listen, short. Listening to Opera for Everyone, and on today's episode, we are listening to Katya Kabanova, an opera by Leos Janicek. And we've just heard some delightful banter, what we're characterizing as comedy in this opera, <laughs> um, yeah. which isn't really very funny, but that's okay. It's we'll the, take it. It's these two bombastic characters just interacting with each other. Yeah, I mean, we're not rooting for either of those two. We're, we, we've got our our hearts are pinned on other people. And so where do we go from here, Pat? We know that Katya and Vavra have some little hijinks and shenanigans planned. 
Well, at least Varvara does, and Katya's just being pushed along by the torrents of fate. So we're at the garden gate that we mentioned earlier. Varvara is literally leading Katya down the garden path. <laughs> you, could, you could say that, but we don't start with the women. The person we see in the beginning is Kudriesh. He's there. He's a charming he's, fellow. He's the romantic interest for Varvara. Indeed, and he's brought his guitar even. Oh, and is he a sensitive sensitive guy? Does he have a ponytail? Plays the guitar? I, I, I can't say about the ponytail, but he does play the guitar and he sings a little folk song. Nice. So Kudriyash has played his song, and along comes Boris. Aha. Also to this lovely garden spot. And Boris sees Kudriyash, and these two men have already spoken, and Boris has confessed his interest. And Kudriyash, again, grounded, just like Varvara is, says, you need to be careful, my friend. Do you really want to destroy her? Boris's response is, don't try to scare me off. And Kudriya says, well, do you know if she loves you? And Boris is not going to be dissuaded by these sort of pedestrian questions, these pedestrian concerns. Boris finally says, well, I only met her once at my uncle's house, but every day I watch her in church. And when she smiles, oh, I love to watch her pray because... It's as if she is an angel and she sheds radiant light all around herself. So this is how Boris is seeing Katya. Nahid's not the grounded one, neither is Katya. And Kudriyash says, well, how did you end up here anyway, in the garden where I am? Boris says, it was a girl who told me, I I don't know her, but this is the place where I'm supposed to, so you know it was Varvara who said, go here you'll get to see the woman you love. 
So Barbara is pulling a few strings. She's a little bit, yeah. <laughs> She's a little bit of a manipulator there. Well, Barbara's off. Remember, but she said she had her sins too. Yeah. We're thinking maybe it's the time she's spending with the uh, the guitar playing scientist employee. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Barbara shows up and, oh, look, there's Katya as well. <gasps> and they got a cooler <laughs> with a six pack of beer and some pretzels. And it's up to how the, the, the person who's staging this wants to handle it. But basically, it's meant to evoke a wooded area and you have both of these couples where they're they're kind of within eye shot of each other they can kind of see one another but they're off in their own little coupley worlds as well mm-hmm. and from here we're going to have what i think is one of the most lushly romantic scenes in opera what with the two sets of couples i really do believe that it is exquisite Pet, those are big words. Those are big words, and I'm going to stand by it because, again, I've just watched two versions of it. The one that I love, and I will recommend, I mean, there's no English subtitling. Occasionally, I think you can get a glimpse of, I think you can get a glimpse of Portuguese surtitles if the camera happens to to catch it. On YouTube, you can find, look up Katya Kabanova, and one section is Acts 1 and 2, and then there's, there's a second posting, which is Act 3 of Katja Kalbanova, which come from a production that was given in Sao Paulo. And oh. it is so lush and so beautiful. The characters, the, the singers, appear to be roughly the right age for their roles. And this scene with the two couples, it's just exquisitely romantic. Mm. I think it would be romantic even if you just heard it on a CD. But it's so beautifully acted. And dare I say, by the end of this act, quite a few pieces of clothing have come off. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. (laughs) That doesn't typically happen in opera. But it's just this, it's, and it's this gorgeous juxtaposition of these two young lovers. You've got the, the sort of head in the clouds, detached from reality, I can't control myself lovers of Katya and Boris. And it's, it's contrasted, although harmonized with these two feet on their ground people which is more it's more like instead of the strings swelling the strings are plucked and it's more like folk music for those two right yeah for Vavara and for Kudriesh well that and, makes sense but they are they are all just in ecstasy being with each other and the music supports and enhances it in such a gorgeous way do you think it's I can't f- wait have I built it up too much I know I can't <laughs> wait to listen to this all right well Don't wait any longer.
ale nepřijdeli na to maminka.
This is Opera for Everyone, and you are listening to Katya Kabanova by Leos Janacek. And we've just listened to a scene of young love. Right. And to be fair to Katya, she does protest a little bit in the beginning, saying, I, I can't betray my husband. I must be faithful to him until I die. But you can see she's, as she's protesting, she's giving in at the same time. She is completely willing and she, and the two of them just essentially melt into each other. And, and honestly, after listening to these two pieces, you can understand now why I've become a Yana Czech fan. <laughs> Gorgeous, right? Lovely. Now we have to move in. We, we, okay. It's time for intermission. Get a little break. We've just gone off in, in ecstasy and raptures. And now we have the reality of Act 3 setting in. Act 3 opens with a scene that explains why the play Ostrovsky wrote was called The Thunderstorm or The Storm. There is a storm mm. and it is, it is gathering and you can hear some thunder and people are rushing this way and that. And there's, there's an interesting little exchange that takes place between Kudreyesh and Jikoj about the nature of storms. And in fact, Kudriyash will show a lightning rod and say, this is what we should have. And he, he's more or less, he's applying science to the weather where Jikoj is saying, well, no, it's, it's God is angry. And so that's why we're having a thunderstorm. So there's just a little bit of, just a small conversation, science, you know, what, what causes this sort of powerful storm to occur. Huh. Back to the story now. The rain continues and everyone's kind of packed inside together. Mm-hmm. And Varvara goes over to Boris. It's like, psst, psst, Boris, Boris, I need to talk to you. What are we going to do about Katya? And you're thinking, hmm. And this is happening while this conversation about electricity is going on. Boris, poor Katya. She's losing her mind. She's gone out of her senses. What are we going to do about her? She's shaking as if she had a fever and she wanders through the house like a madwoman. She doesn't see her. She doesn't even hear me. Boris is getting more and more concerned. And Barbara says, yeah, you need to know. She says she's going to tell her husband. What? She's going to confess everything. That sounds like a really bad idea. Then Katya comes in and she's... She's confused and upset. She's like, oh, no, why is he here when she sees Boris? By the way, this is referred to later, and it's made more explicit in the play. I believe it's about 10 nights that they've spent together. So this was what not a momentary interaction. We just see the one scene in the opera. But we're meant to think there's it's a number of days that the two of them, probably the length of time that her husband was away on his trip. Right. That the two of them have been together. And so are they in her house, in her her mother-in-law's house? I'm not sure where they are right now. They're in a building. They're inside. Right. It's, and it's not actually staged this way typically because it's not practical, but that's what the libretto tells us. They're in a building okay. together. And Katya comes in after she expresses her concern that Boris is present she grabs Vavara and she says I feel like I'm dying and Vavara says just calm down calm down say a prayer you're going to be fine just 
Keep it together, my friend. <laughs> Keep it together. And this, this thunderstorm is raging. It's gotten worse. It's raging and it's raging. And this is the first time in this act we hear a chorus of voices and they add to this this atmosphere of building concern and building dread. And Katya, all of a sudden, falls down to her knees and she says, Mamika, Tijon, look at this sinner and pity her. Look at me. Didn't I swear an oath to you that I would speak to no man, that I'd look at no man while my husband was absent? Then you know all of my wickedness. What I did that very night after you left me? And Varvara is like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Katya says, my heart is bursting. I left the house that night. And this the sound of the chorus is swelling. And Varvara is trying to like, no, 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 no. And, and Kabanicha says, well, what do you want to say? Out with it, girl. She said, Katya says, I spent that night and every night with him. <gasps> with who, says Kabanicha. And does she give up the lover? Yes, she does. Oh, no, no. <laughs> she says, it was Boris Grigorievich. And then the thunder claps and she falls helpless into her husband's arms. She comes somewhat to her senses, ultimately. And she tears herself away from her husband and she just rushes out into the storm. And that's the end of the first scene in Act Three.
The second scene of Act 3 is a lonely spot on the banks of the Volga. Tikhon is out with one of the servants and, and he's looking everywhere for his wife. And he's raging. He's furious. I mean, he's been humiliated in front yeah, of the whole town. Yeah, in front right? of everybody. She's, she's confessed everything. He says, ah, oh, beating her would be too easy. You heard what my mother said. She said women like her should be buried alive. That's the way to punish them. And then he's a little startled by what he's said himself. He says, but I, but I love her. How could I do anything to harm her? So this is this weak-willed man who's like his mother's trying to tell him how awful he should be to the wife. And he's furious and he's humiliated, but he doesn't really know what to do. He has no idea. I mean, Katja, he's never known what to do with Katja and he doesn't handle it well. But ultimately, the scene will focus just on Katja alone outside near the river she says oh where can he be if i just saw him once more in my life i would die happy and i shouldn't have told that secret why did i make him suffer with me which is a fair point if you think about it like why did i have to say his name i didn't really have to say his name but you get this this scene where she is just in distress trying to work it all through and people are looking for her, some more ferociously than others. Even Katja says to herself, a long time ago, they would kill a woman for sins like mine. They would take her down to the Volga and they would drown her. A little more foreshadowing. She says, but I must live and let my sins torment me. So she thinks, no, no, I need to live so that the punishment will be greater. That drowning would be too easy a way out. Just sort of the way the Tihon had said, beating her would be too easy. Yeah. It's gotten pretty dark at this point, literally, and the power of the darkness is descending on her. And we have a a good chunk of the scene here where she's working through the torment that she feels. Oh, my God. 
You're listening to Opera for Everyone, and this is Katia Kabanova by Leos Yunachik. And we've just heard Katia talking about how badly she feels about what's happened and how easy it would be for her to just die. She's in anguish, yes. And everyone's out looking for her, too. Different people for different reasons. Her husband wants to punish her, but guess who finds her? Boris. Boris. And he says, thanks be to God. And Katya says, you did not forget me? Well, not a chance there. (laughs) And he explains to her, his uncle is furious and his uncle is sending me away. I'm, I'm to go move to a different town to handle his business. And Katya says, I'm so sorry I lost my senses when I told them everything. And I, particularly when I told them your name. And Boris is not, I mean, he's pities her more than anything else. It's very clear she's, she's kind of losing it. And Katya, all in one breath, basically says, take me with you. No, no, leave and forget all about me. And Boris just shakes his head and says, oh, life is easier for a man. I will be free to do as I wish, but you, you. And it's, it's an interesting comment that this is here because that is a piece of all of these stories. This story, Anna Karenina, Madame Bovary, is the, the utter lack of freedom that women have with the expectations and the rules of society. Right. And it's interesting that Boris here articulates that. Mm-hmm. Just a quick aside, it was never completed, but one of the projects for many years that Janáček worked on was an opera of Anna Karenina. Oh, really? And But he never finished it. Yes, and I really should mention one of the things that's so appealing to him about these stories of the, the young woman in distress with a lover is actually very biographical for him. He later dedicated this work to... Camilla Stoslova, who was 38 years younger than he. Oh dear. But a source of great passion. It was, how does one put this? It was a chaste affair. It was never consummated. But shortly after his first huge success at age 61 with Yanufa, he had had an affair with a great mezzo-soprano diva. That ended ultimately, although this diva just loved him because she was so impressed with his artistic talent. But a couple of years later, he and his wife are on holiday in this spa town, and they get friendly with this young couple. And he is just, I I can't even find words strong enough. He is so in love with this woman, and he writes her letters over the years. He wrote, wrote over 700 letters to this Camilla. Oh, wow. She does not write to him with any passion, though she does keep up a correspondence with him. It's it's a little more ordinary. She's essentially becomes his muse. And even though he will write in his letters about how he imagines that she's his wife and they have children together, it's a little it's a little unsettling. But this passion is so real for him that in fact one of the things he wrote to her is that he says, well first of all he addresses her as dear soul oftentimes. Hmm. And he tells her, you will sit on every little note that I write, which I think is a very lovely way to express it. But she, she never allows it to become more as I mean, at least that's the understanding that we have historically. Hmm. She is at his bedside when he dies. So they are great friends. He just imagines this more and the passion that he feels for her, he pours into these 
into this music and these stories, particularly of the conflicted young woman. Huh. So later on, after the initial performance, he does, in fact, dedicate this to his great love, Camilla. So, at the very end of our opera, Katya is still by the banks of the river, telling Boris to leave and forget about her. And he's thinking, yeah, that's probably what I'll do, because... I'm a man. I can do that. It's going to be rough for her, though. And she says, yeah, my mother will torture me. People will stare at me when I walk through the streets, pointing and laughing at me. She knows how how much of a social pariah she will become. And Boris says, well, what about your husband? And she says, well, birds will sing as they fly above me when I am buried. And flowers will bloom there. So she's moved on. She, she doesn't stick with one train of thought necessarily. And we get back to this vision of the birds flying. That was introduced in Act One, and it continues. She tells a little bit about her husband, and she says, well, he loves me, and he's even gentle sometimes, but he beats me when he's drunk. Hmm. And I don't, she's just like, this is not really, it's not going to be a happy ending for me and my husband. Yeah. And after she says all of this, she throws herself into the river. And very quickly after that, there's commotion, commotion on the stage. Everyone's looking. Some of the townspeople find her. They drag her lifeless body out in front of them all. And Tichon briefly looks at his mother and says, you're the one who killed her. You alone killed her. Wow. Kabanicha flares at him. Don't ever speak to me like that. And then she turns to the townspeople who have pulled the body out of the river And in this very cold manner, I must thank you, friends and neighbors, for your kindness. So she says the words of thanks with no feeling of thankfulness or emotion. And one version of this that I watched, I thought this was such an exquisite touch. It's not in the libretto. She leans down over the body, slips the wedding ring off of Katya's hands. Oh, dear. And puts it on her own. On her own. Yeah. So that's the end of Katya Gabanova. Shall we uh, listen to that last bit of music? Yes.
listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. We know that opera can be challenging. But everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. That's why our mission is to make Opera opera for for everyone. everyone.